continuing with the Panchipatthana Kanda, uh, there is a perception. If I was to give you a slogan for uh, each one of the Kandas, when you examine the body, uh, the uh, attitude was one of uh, interest and uh, you, your, your inquiry, what is this? What's happening here? And then uh, with the feelings, uh, I think the slogan is, thank you for sharing. <laughs> but I'm not your slave. And then uh, with uh, perception, or sanya, uh, the slogan would be, is this true? Is it really 100% true? Invariably, uh, when we look out into the world, there's so much happening, so many different things striking our senses. We only are able to uh, cognize a very small uh, portion of everything that's being presented to our senses. So the mind is very selective about what it pays attention to and what meaning it imparts uh, to, uh, to the experience. And uh, uh, the way the mind makes that uh, selectivity and makes that narrow focus is uh, uh, generally in terms of uh, some kind of a self-interest, what is important to notice for our survival. So if you're having um, a conversation with somebody who's important to you, uh, you may be very closely focused on that person's face to pick up their you know, expressions, um, what are their eyes telling you, um, to uh, really understand them. And then if uh, um, you know, there's a curtain in the window uh, behind uh, that person, you might not even notice the color of the curtain or notice if it moves. Uh, so you just are, are, are able to cognize what you pay attention to. Uh, your perception is very selective. And uh, uh, in the case of uh, uh, perceptions that are uh, biased because of emotional reactivity, uh, there are so many uh, stories about inaccurate uh, perceptions. Um, the classic one, uh, the person who's uh, uh, rowing a boat in the fog and they uh, see another boat coming and call out, I'm here, watch out, don't run into me. Uh, but the boat still keeps coming, keeps coming, and the more he shouts, says, don't run into me, watch out, here I am. Uh, what are you doing? And, and then um, just, as the, just as he's uh, struck, he sees it's not a person at all, it's a log that's just drifting. See, so that's a mistaken, a mistaken perception and a lot of uh, emotional excitement that came about because of a mistaken perception. Uh, so if uh, uh, there's a, a person who's very uh, uh, lovable to you, uh, it might be um, to your advantage to uh, look at that person realistically and realize that they 
are a, a mixed uh, picture of, of, of uh, uh, good and bad qualities. And see if you can make your affection or caring for that person not just dependent on their good qualities, but uh, uh, willing to uh, care for the whole person. Or if there's somebody who's dislikable for you, you may find that uh, although they might have uh, some uh, strong dislikable qualities, uh, they may also have qualities which are admirable, uh, respectable. Uh, and you can um, gain uh, freedom uh, from emotional reactivity by intentionally uh, focusing the mind on the less prominent aspects of those uh, the other individuals or the other things in your world. Uh, so instead of focusing in on that which is triggering an emotional reaction, you could trigger. You could focus on on uh, something else that doesn't trigger that same emotional reaction. And so this is the way that you can begin to uh, put wisdom in charge, and not allow emotional reactivity to be in charge of your life. Uh, frequently, these uh, biased uh, emotions become. Um, uh, proliferated into a kind of a self-justification. Uh, so a feeling might happen and we actually don't know where it's coming from at all, but the mind is seeking for some kind of uh, something to uh, pin the blame on for this, for this uh, emotional reaction. And then uh, the mind may uh, then uh, Okay, I think I can give this example anonymously. Um, somebody was um, uh, feeling unwell because of uh, an, uh, um, an allergic reaction, a sickness that had come up. But they didn't know that that's what was happening. They just know that they didn't feel well. So they didn't feel well, didn't feel well, didn't feel well. And they finally said, came to, I need to have a three-month retreat. And, <laughs> and then a lot of you know, kind of like turmoil about saying this like really urgent thing about, you know, oh, I really need this retreat. Really what, what they needed was an antidote uh, to the allergic reaction. Okay, so there's still everybody needs a three-month retreat, but, but, but not, not in that kind of, um, of a, uh, with that kind of a, a stressful um, uh, kind of way. And so, so when uh, these uh, opinions and judgments come up, Right, I think in, uh, they teach that in mindfulness is like a non-judgmental awareness. And a big part of the reason for uh, emphasizing on non-judgmental is because uh, that which is the judgment is uh, very frequently uh, grasping at a straw or grasping at some kind of a, of a, a story uh, which is going to cause our uh, feeling reaction to make sense to us. You know, there's so many, so many stories about how the mind uh, actually literally fabricates um, some kind of explanation of reality, and then that becomes the perception. And then we can go to court, and in front of the judge, we can raise our hand and say, I swear that this happened. And it actually, it just happened in the mind. Um, this is the big uh, uh, trouble, you know, I... One of the questions was about what if somebody lies to me, and I said, "Well, um, the more common 
or the more uh, unusual experience would be that somebody said the truth. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's just, it's really, really so, so um, uh, difficult uh, not to uh, reduce our actual, uh, the actual here and now of what we experience. It gets, it gets reduced into something which is actually not the same as what really happened. Even wholesomely. Uh, I had a really good summer for uh, meditation because I was uh, mostly by myself in the forest. And I, uh, it came to me uh, just this one moment, uh, a kind of uh, my um, lion's roar about what a, a good summer this was because I, I uh, uh, this is my, it was, uh, first of all, I didn't have time for anything except the Dhamma. Um, second of all, I, uh, because our, there were some uh, problems with our um, meditation hall, uh, so I had to go, or actually the truth is, uh, we had a mold and mildew outbreak in our place, and I was cleaning mildewy things, that was my job, and so uh, for my health, I had to go outside every afternoon up on the saddle, which is very beautiful with the sun shining, and I had to sit. I had to sit and meditate every single afternoon, day after day, um, and um, um, so I, I got uh, more a chance to uh, be with nature, and, um, and there were some other points. But the the thing I'm trying to get to is, you know, I wrote something about this experience that seemed to like really catch it, catch it and it, it was like this really beautiful statement. And then over the following months I repeated this statement five or six times to different people. And then eventually it was like sawdust in the mouth. It's like, that's not actually what really happened. <laughs> you know, it was, that's just something that came to mind at a particular moment of time, but that's not the reality, that's not the whole reality. So, so perception is not the whole reality. What we perceive in these images and these stories that we make are not the whole reality, but they do um, become a type of a, like a signpost uh, which evokes uh, further uh, cycles of reactivity. So it might be that you're telling yourself something that makes you feel you know, um, some pleasant good feelings, or that you're telling yourself something, something that makes you feel agitated or troubled. Um, but that entire process is different than the process of being in connection with reality as it is right here and now. So perception, um, inherently, not uh, too much, not really to be trusted. You have to always question, is it true, is it really true? And when it's not true, uh, the perception is often uh, part of a, uh, uh, a kind of a rhetoric or a speech-making process that is uh, justifying developing to the next uh, 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 part of the con- five aggregates, the five khandas, uh, which is the part of about volitional formations, that finally you talk yourself into it and you get yourself stirred up enough so that you decide, I've got to do something about it. So then, um, uh, um, you know, the story I gave about the allergic reaction is one story. Um, once I was at a, uh, a seminar, a sutta study uh, uh, a class uh, that was uh, being facilitated by a bhikkhu. And it so happened in that case there were like uh, 
15 women and 10 men in the class. So the women were supposed to sit over here and the men were supposed to sit over there. But because there's more women, the women were also supposed to sit there. And there are these seats around. But uh, some men sat in the seats over there that should have belonged to the women. And then so some of the women, because the women can't sit over there, so the women didn't have any place to sit, so they had to sit in the back of the room. And at the time, I was... Um, uh, I was not the facilitator. I was just there, and I. But I, I would had this experience like, okay, the hackles, my hackles went up, <laughs> and this, um, like this energy thing that came up with me is like this archetype of, uh, this is a like a mother courage. You know, I'm ready to throw myself on the, the gauntlet to uh, correct this injustice, and I and I um, had a. A very a strong feeling, actually, is a pleasant feeling, like uh, marching off to war, that kind of feeling. And 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 then the thought process about that, the the other the bhikkhu who was courting the conference was, you know, that I, I can't say it, <laughs> but you know, I had a lot of um, uh, feminist rhetoric going on in, in my mind um, about that about that bhikkhu, and and then. You know, I, like I had to mention it once, and then it didn't get solved. Like the next session, the same thing, and then um, the, the uh, you know, and then finally I, I um, you know, I took the law into my own hands and I put notes on the desk saying this is for women. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but what I realized later, in talking to that because one of my best friends now, and um, his training, he's a very traditionally trained bhikkhu, and his training was that a bhikkhu should not look at women. That's, you know, that's for lust. So he was actually, in accordance with his training, he didn't notice what was going on in the women. He was just thinking about dhamma, about suttas or something. And he didn't notice the women because he wasn't paying attention to them, because he had been trained not to pay attention to them. Really, it's all right. It's, but, but so that's like the whole cycle. But I had to give myself a lot of you know, speeches. Um, there was my, I developed my perception and I built it up and built it up until I was ready to um, take, you know, throw down the gauntlet and do something. Um, and so, so that's how um, your uh, emotions can sometimes uh, evolve to uh, taking an action. Uh, well, it uh, uh, would. It was. Uh, you know, it's like this life. It is what it is. We we don't stop doing things because we get wise. We still do things, but we do things with awareness and with uh, uh, lightness and with love and with uh, care and kindness, uh, not with. So I didn't need to do it in that particular way. It could the same thing could have been accomplished in a more loving uh, uh, way without any ill thoughts towards anybody. Uh, uh, what I wanted to uh, uh, suggest, though, about um, uh, volition, uh, it's like okay. Mr. Anger, if you're the boss, if you were the boss, 
What is it that you actually want me to do right now? Okay, Mrs. Grief. I see the tears. What are these tears asking for? Uh, a lot of the time, you may be surprised that because the um, if what the thing that we want to do is not um, what we would consider virtuous, then it can be like so easily swept under the rug, and so we we're in the process of doing something ugly, but we don't want to admit it. Uh, but if you're practicing non-judgmental acceptance toward your emotional process and say, well, you know, the emotions don't know about morality anyway, they just know about, you know, what's good for me or something like that, and, um, and just say, what, what is it? What, is, what do the emotions want? Um, uh, tears um, are, uh, I think this is for me, it might be different for you, uh, for me, um, uh, uh, breaking down to sorrow and tears usually means um, I'm vulnerable, please don't hurt me. And if I see this is happening, I may say, well, okay, maybe it's okay just to be vulnerable. Or else I may see, you know, find like the parent in me that can be caring. Or say, well, if I want uh, that kind of safety, so where is safety? You know, for me, uh, maybe safety is with the triple gem, you know. Um, another, I'll give another uh, brief example. One time I was, um, at the very beginning of this whole process for me, which was about uh, ten years, about eight years I've been working up to the speech that I'm giving you today. And um, eight years ago there was somebody that was extremely dislikable to me, uh, an apparently mentally ill uh, colleague that I had in the Holy Life who had been um, um, just difficult uh, for me. And on one occasion, I was on a one-month silent retreat, and my colleague got into trouble. Um, but I officially didn't know about it, but I could tell that my colleague was in trouble. And I had the most restless, painful, difficult uh, one-month meditation, just writhing with curiosity about you know, what was going to happen. Uh, to, to, to my colleague, and uh, um, I, I did have a couple of whispered words with somebody, and I found out a tip about the nature of it, and then the mind was really agitated. Uh, so, like, eventually I came to the point of naming my emotion in terms of the volitional aspect, and I could see that I was living in the heart of cruelty, that my desire was to get rid of my colleague and to make her disappear so that I would never see her again. And this was like a couple of months after I had taken the bhikkhuni ordination. And I found out that this was in me still. And it was like it was the most important thing that possibly that happened to me during my, in my monastic career is to know that, you know, like the heart is capable, is fully capable of all the negativities. And then when you see what it is, and when you see what it actually is, then the mind doesn't really want it anymore. This will be uh, calling a spade a spade meditation. 
when you're honest, you know, if you've got any black things in your heart, when you're, when you're, if you're able to be so honest as to actually know how black your heart is, then that solves it. You know, when you really know it, that solves it right there. You, you don't really want to stay. The only way you can stay, you know, acting out in a black heart is if you're in denial while you do it. So, so that's the, um, the next uh, um, uh, part of my discourse. And now I'm going to invite us to, again, uh, go to meditation. I don't exactly want us to um, be uh, thinking about the most troublesome and agitating things in our lives, but instead uh, go to calm, go to quiet, but reflect if you can discern uh, at a more subtle level um, what arises in your meditation about perception and volition. It could be that you perceive the in-breath and the out-breath and that your volition is to meditate and to stay in the meditation and that would be great. Or it could be that um, uh, there's some hindrance or some wandering mind comes in because you lose your volition about staying in meditation and then you want to do your shopping list or you know, solve, solve some problem outside of this room. So uh, whatever comes in the meditation, try to see where's the, what are you perceiving? How do you name it? Is that really true? And what's the volition involved there? So we'll take about 20 minutes or 25 minutes of meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.